Hi everyone, here's what's bothering me today. There is a lot of doomerism going on right now about the recent revelations of the UN Climate Report, where they basically said, yeah, no, humans are absolutely unequivocally to blame for climate change. We really need to start real drastic action now, or else, you know, we're boned. And a lot of people, myself included, are rightfully saying and pointing out that the current governments are not exactly going to do anything. There's Joe Biden saying, oh man, this is a shame, we gotta act. And it's like, dude, you're the president of the United States. You have the power to do this. And then all he did was ask OPEC to increase oil production. Or like I pointed out, when our prime minister here in Canada tweeted about it, the dude bought a fucking pipeline. And yet there he is talking about, oh, this is really serious. We need to take it seriously. Meanwhile, him and several other ministers are saying, look, no country would just find 173 million barrels of oil in the ground and not use it. As I said on the very first trip to the oil patch back in 2012, no country would find 173 billion barrels of oil in the ground and just leave them there. We need to accept that Canada is an oil-producing country. Please pay no attention to us trying to fight Line 3 protesters because we really need that to keep Alberta happy. Meanwhile, here's the thing, right? A lot of actual people in the oil and gas sector want to transition to cleaner jobs. They just want the jobs guarantee. It's really that simple. So the purpose of this video is twofold. One, I want to give people a little bit of hope. And two, I want to give people something of a roadmap to nonviolent environmental revolution, let's call it. This was originally going to be part of a much larger project, but with everything coming out right now and seeing lots of people becoming very defeatist, I think it's time to actually point out ways in which we can force the government's hand. Down below, you will find several sources, all linking to the 100 companies that are responsible for 71% of total global emissions. And what I'm going to suggest is not kind of like the previous uh, advocacy that myself and others have done, such as, look, you know, it's possible that if we just started feeding cows seaweed, it cuts their methane emissions, meaning that's a great way to reduce emissions with a very, like, carbon neutral solution. The problem is bringing that up to scale immediately and getting the aquaculture up to a sustainable level so that everyone can start using it rather than say the few farms that will participate as a trial run as it were. Because quite frankly, we don't have time for that. So how do people meaningfully get governments to change things? Because as we've seen again here in Canada, Justin Trudeau will take a knee for the climate, but he won't actually pass meaningful climate change legislation. If you want capitalists to change their tune, you have to speak in a language they understand. And the only language they understand is money and profit, especially profit. So you have to think about how these two go hand in hand and how to use them to your advantage and to the capitalist detriment. Part of why Israel is very much against the BDS movement is because it would actually be effective. Boycott, divest, and implement sanctions. These are all things that the West loves to do to our enemy nations around the world, but it's not something we like to point out that, oh, you know what, you can do that here too. Calling on boycotts, whether it's boycotting uh, various politicians and political parties that do not 
hold themselves accountable in a variety of ways, either to corruption or the legislation they claim they're going to support and pass. Yeah, sure, that's great, but that takes a lot of time and effort, and we only really have a few more election cycles to do that, so worthwhile, not as pressing. Social media is actually really great for bringing attention to causes and figuring out who to boycott. So again, with the sources down below, begin going through finding those companies and working with whatever local media organization you are, or if you're an influencer, a YouTuber, just a really big Twitter account or a socialite, a celebrity, whatever the case may be, go through those lists, find out who the companies responsible are, start bringing it to the attention of people and call on them to enact pressure down that angle and say, we're not going to support these people and we're going to boycott their products, or we're going to divest ourselves from funding and investments into their organizations and put it somewhere else. Sanctions are a little tricky because those are things that really only governments can do, which brings us to the way to actually force change right now, which is that with governments sitting in power, a lot of their information is publicly available. You will be able to know who represents what riding, where their office for that riding is, or congressional district or whatever it may be, Go to their offices, refuse to leave or make entrance very difficult so long as they continue to not support meaningful and immediate drastic action on the climate. And no, don't intimidate them or threaten them or their loved ones with violence. That's messed up. We're not about that. But organize and do it quickly and show that you are serious and that you as a resident and also as someone who maybe voted for them or maybe didn't, but they're your representative, you are serious about holding them to account. Actually make the politicians do work for once. And also, again, call on them to support a form of sanctions against the polluters and the various other companies that are causing problems. The other thing by using these tactics that you can try and pressure politicians into doing is getting them to end the fossil fuel subsidies and put those towards green initiatives instead. That accomplishes a few things. One, it means that the oil and gas companies can no longer get basically a free ride for non-profitable endeavors and for oil and gas exploration, which is the last thing we should be doing right now. It also frees up more money for renewables that can be implemented now. It basically redirects money that is already going somewhere, but it does it immediately. Plus, it then forces whether you end the sanctions immediately or if you give them a grace period saying, look, you know, we, we've kind of been forced by this report and by a very pissed off electorate. We really have no choice but to end the fossil fuel subsidies. Uh, so consider this your warning. You have six to 12 months to divest, basically. That gives them time for the market to reshift and for them to basically get their affairs in order, pull money out, and then try and keep their shareholders happy. Because again, that's how capitalists operate. It's always about profit and pleasing their shareholders and making oodles and noodles of money. So you have to target the money and where it's going in order to apply pressure. So far, we've only talked about the ways to enact political pressure. Let's talk about other ways to apply pressure onto the business side of things as individual citizens. Now, I will preface this by saying that we pretty much live in a dystopia, so what's going to happen if what I'm about to suggest actually starts to happen, we will probably see in places like America and other areas of the world, you will see militias pop up to defend warehouses, buildings, pipelines, etc. I kind of already touched on this in a previous video. 
because again, the capitalists will be scared, but something you can do and you can organize with other people. And this is where the nonviolent revolutionary aspect comes in. Work with people to find out where the main corporate offices are, where their regional offices are, perhaps where the summer vacation homes of people are. And you basically just make life super inconvenient for them. Block the driveways with like big working class trucks and try and show people, oh, they're trying to actually work. They're trying to go over someone who's just a working class scrub and there's some rich pretentious asshole. That's not going to be good optics. If you're in a company and you can move concrete barriers, literally like barricade gated communities. Oh, you want to, you want to be so separate from everyone? Cool. Here's your literal castle. Have fun surviving without us. Now, the first thing they'll do before turning to militias is they will contact the police saying, oh, we need a police presence to, you know, take care of this stuff. Ah, great. This allows us to waste even more money and prove it to be a fruitless endeavor. You waste the police's time by saying, yeah, we're totally, totally going to show up to these offices at this time. And you basically astroturf fake protests. So they have to just staff all of them all the time. This brings us to the secondary part. Most companies do not actually deal with everything on their own. There's usually subsidiaries or contracted companies, you know, subcontractors that do a lot of the stuff. Hey, what's the company that hires Coca-Cola's delivery drivers? If they're not unionized, maybe try and help them get unionized. This is literally me just spitballing a few ideas here, but I'm hoping people kind of get the picture. And you know, remember how people actually put locks around eviction courts so that people couldn't hear eviction hearings? Maybe talk to people who work in a variety of companies that are known polluters, find out from them where their business executives are meeting or what kind of meeting they're having, or if there's a big conference somewhere, barricade the doors. Either they have to break out in some other fashion, or you just say like, no, like you want to be so separate, here's your way of being separate. Or, you know, maybe just Rather than having to create that safety hazard, you could just, I don't know, walk through en masse, kind of the way New York transit users did as a form of protest against cops just again trying to waste money trying to catch fare jumpers. It's the mantra of the whole Area 51 raid, right? They literally can't arrest all of us. So those are ways that, you know, many of us can act on a more local level, as it were. Let's talk about what happens internationally. The Ever Given, the dummy thick boat that got stuck in the Suez Canal is actually a pretty good example of other ways in which we can really hurt capitalists internationally. Most trade runs through a handful of areas. You have the Suez Canal and then of course the Red Sea and the Horn of Africa. You have the Strait of Malacca, which separates Malaysia and Indonesia. And then you also have the Panama Canal. Now there are of course other routes. There's around uh, Cape Horn and the Cape of Good Hope. And now the Arctic is opening up to shipping because, you know, we kind of messed up the planet and caused runaway heating. But most of the trade, because time is money, goes through Panama, Suez, and Malacca. Those are three choke points that people can exploit with protest, either by literally blocking it with mass amounts of boats or buying an old derelict container and pulling an Ever Given and throwing it sideways or refusing to budge. Even if that means the protesters get arrested because, oh no, police got to storm this boat that's not moving through the Panama Canal. Oh, we got we to gotta get them out there. Don't resist. We don't want people to die. But boy, howdy, is that going to cost a lot of time and money for really angry capitalists? 
The other thing to do is to work with a lot of other unionized groups, such as longshoremen. Those unaware, longshoremen are people who are basically dock workers around the world. Uh, recently, well, recently, I talked about one at the Port of Montreal and the progressive liberals shutting that down. But there was also a time, a year, maybe two years ago at this point, where the entire Pacific West Coast was shut down to container traffic because the longshoremen all went on strike and refused to open the docks and let trade come in. You want to extract meaningful concessions from companies and governments? If you live in a port town, find out who your local longshoremen are and organize with them. Because again, these people only think in terms of money. And so if you impact the flow of money or make it so difficult for them to get that money, they will find an alternate way of earning that money which will, unfortunately, in a capitalist system, mean they will probably buy or invest in numerous green enterprises. But all these things together form a pretty, I can't say cohesive, but a solid foundation for what to do if you're feeling really hopeless and you don't know how to act. This is the way forward for you to direct your energy and your frustration. These are meaningful ways to quickly begin applying pressure on the capitalists and applying pressure in a way and in a language that they only understand, which is all about money. And as I pointed out, a lot of this was just taking inspiration from other successful movements or sheer accidents that happened around the world. If we are at the code red, as the UN rightfully points out, and if it's do or die time, we don't really have the luxury of relying on election cycles, which for some of us may be already several years away, to then try and enact change in an incremental level that will finally come in by 2050 when we're all old and gray. Drastic action needs to be taken now and by hopefully getting some inspiration from a variety of these examples and what other people have done for other activist causes in the past hopefully this leads to new inspiration and brainstorming with your local friends or your local communities and figuring out ways of applying this to improving transit cutting back on pollution in your local areas i've said before that municipal politics are probably the key to greater uh, green sustainability in the future because cities are how most of us live and interact on a day-to-day -day basis so changing that is how we enact a lot of this reform but what i really wanted people to try and get from this is not you know we need to go out and start burning places down and beating people up we don't have to eat the rich just yet but if we are at the potential tipping point, the point of no return, code red, alarms blaring everywhere, and I feel it right now, it's 40 fucking degrees right now. If it's do or die time, we can't rely on politics, which takes forever to get things done. So I hope people found this useful. I hope you take something useful away or think, oh, hey, uh, I liked part of that idea, but I want to take this other part of it and then implement it in this way because that'll help whatever it may be. The point is that while the situation is dire, it is not hopeless. And yet, unfortunately, a lot of people have already lost hope. And that's what's bothering me today.